and the hospitality committee will probably get a hold of me if I do not tell you uh, this announcement, and that is next week we again pray will be a big day with the public service day. So need volunteers if you're so inclined to bring a dessert for next Sunday uh, to sort of help out on that end as, a, as a, something that will bless uh, our guests and, and others as well. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, it is our practice to preach verse by verse through Scripture. And uh, we're actually in between books, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be beginning a new book of the Bible by God's grace two weeks from today. And I'm looking forward to that, uh, our, our new book of the Bible. But uh, as I mentioned on Wednesday night, I'm also going verse by verse through Scripture as well. And that is the book of Proverbs, which we will kick off uh, again this Wednesday night with Proverbs chapter 1. But uh, this morning, I'm continuing where I was last Sunday because I sort of wanted to give a view of the book of Proverbs. So for two Sundays, uh, we're camped out in Proverbs, and we're back in Proverbs chapter 3 today because uh, we did not uh, come close to finishing the text uh, we were on uh, last week. We were Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 when we concluded uh, last Sunday. Let's pick up again looking at God's inerrant and infallible word. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Now let me just make a, a comment uh, there. Some of the translations correctly state there, make your path straight. It's the same basic idea, but make your path straight. He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. May God again bless his inerrant and infallible word. We will get through at least part of this text today by God's grace. And then uh, come and join me hopefully in a couple of weeks uh, on a Wednesday night in, in Proverbs 3. And we'll make it to the rest of the verses uh, by just a, just a few Wednesday nights. As we were concluding last week, we were looking at the issue of really putting our faith and trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And Charles Ryrie actually said the word trust means this. It means the idea, it has the idea of lying helplessly face down. And... I ask this question, knowing we have all different ages represented here today, but think about this. Have you ever taken a fall, and falls are dangerous things, but had difficulty getting up? And the picture is painted of this in a sense, lying face down. You're face down and, and all of a sudden you try to think, of what do I need to do? You know, what's, what, what's the next step? What's the next movement that, that, that I can get up from this position? Let me say this spiritually speaking. 
I dare say that many of us in the congregation today, spiritually speaking, are laying face down. That's a good place to be if it's the point where you put your trust and your faith in God alone. That's a great place to be. Because He's not going to leave you lying face down. He's going to get you up. He's going to direct your paths. He's going to make your path straight. God is going to provide a way. God is going to provide a means. God is going to give the wisdom for you to go where He wants to direct you. But the question is, are are we willing to put our faith and our trust in Him? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Our, Our understanding, and we were dealing with this some as we were concluding last week, our understanding at best is limited. God knows everything. We are limited in our understanding. In fact, there's going to be a verse that comes up here real soon, and let me, let me just throw it out, and, and I will initially deal with it right now. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It's included in our text today. You know, you know, so many times we think we got it all figured out. Let me ask you this question. All of us have dealt with life here today, haven't we? How many times does your direction sort of get messed up? Your thoughts and your plans sort of get set aside. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? Sometimes on a very regular basis. In the midst of that, God calls us to trust in Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. I want to declare today, consistent with God's Word, that apart from Him, I can do nothing. Can you acknowledge that as well? Can you acknowledge in this place today that every breath you have is a gift from God? Every step you can take is a gift from God? Every sentence that you, that, that, that you can put together that that sounds even any, any way coherent is a gift from God. If it didn't sound coherent, it's a gift from God. He's that kind of God. I remember uh, someone that uh, had a little bit of mentorship in my life in the 1980s, and I, I've, I've alluded to him from time to time as, as a good illustration comes up in the text. And that was T.W. Hunt. And I remember T.W. Hunt, uh, there was a conversation I had with him one day back in the 1980s. And he was such a godly man. And he said, basically, Greg, I've I've come to the point of, of remembering all of these things I'm aware of and attempting, listen to this, to give credit and to give glory to God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct 
your paths. Charles Stanley made the following statement related to this text. Dr. Stanley stated, If you want your life to be the very best it can be, you must put your full faith in God, rejecting your own limited perspective and honoring Him in every area of your life. This is the heart of godly living. You submit to the Lord's direction, knowing that He has the answer. The answer, in fact, to your every need and is faithful to provide it. Charles Stanley goes on and makes the following comments as well. He says, in this life, tests come in all shapes and sizes. And we're not talking about just the tests that our students have started to take in this new school year. We're talking about the life test right now. In this life, tests come in all shapes and sizes. Some, listen to this, some we anticipate, others blindside us. I'll use Melissa as an illustration again. If she had not had that car wreck 16 days ago, she would be seated right back in the congregation today in all likelihood. An accident, in essence, would blindside her for this point in her life. You see, life's taken a different direction, a direction much differently than she would have thought three weeks ago, as she was seated in the congregation three weeks ago. Life can sometimes blindside us. I agree with Charles Stanley. He goes on to say, Some tests require us to endure. Others involve making the right decision immediately. Regardless of the difficulty, God instructs us to come to Him for the wisdom we so desperately need. I've already been asked this morning, in essence, or, or volunteered to give a prayer request. A personal prayer request. Now, all of us, you know, you would think if someone comes to you or someone inquires, uh, what do you have, what's a prayer request in your life right now? We probably would be able to give one. Maybe we'd be able to give a whole list of prayer requests. But being back in the book of Proverbs again and studying here has reminded me of the importance of seeking God, first of all, and seeking His wisdom. And that's reinforced in James chapter 1 where the Scripture says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask and it will be given liberally. That's one point where we can say God's a liberal. He gives no, yeah, I'm joking. Where he gives liberal wisdom, in other words, wisdom in abundance. In excess. First of all, if any man or woman, that's generic there, lacks wisdom, let him ask. You're acknowledging to God you need his wisdom. And it will be given what? Not sparingly, not, not, in, not in just a small amount, it will be given in great amounts. I need that kind of wisdom, don't you? I want God's wisdom. I need God's wisdom as the under-shepherd of this church. I need God's wisdom as the husband of Miss Betty. I need God's wisdom as I deal with you and issues of life. Quite frankly, I need wisdom in every single area of my life. You do too. You do too. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. We come to verse 7, which is the verse, again, I alluded to just uh, a short time ago. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In fact, uh, this verse is reinforced and, and, and brought into clarity as well in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. We'll not, we'll not take time to go there right now. But basically the scripture says there, do not be wise in your own opinion. You ever heard this old saying, uh, somebody's full of themselves? Some of you have heard that, haven't you? And others of you may never have heard that. Somebody's full of themselves. Basically what it's saying is this. Somebody, as that person thinks highly of themselves. That person is very prideful. That person is self-sufficient. Now let me say this. On one hand, self-sufficiency is a good thing, right? I thought about it because we could, we could it would not have been easy, but we most certainly have... Uh, you know, could have, could have put together a sermon today just to deal with Labor Day. I don't think you have to address every ho holiday that comes up per se, though. Uh, but, but, but if I was going to do a sermon uh, dealing with Labor Day today, and, and, and if I would have preached that, I, I would have looked at several biblical concepts related to work and related to labor. And there would be, wor there would be verses that reinforce the importance, again, of hard, diligent work. Even in Proverbs, it talks about those little bitty kinds of things there that sometimes we walk around, hopefully you don't stomp on all of them, called ants. And the scripture says, consider the ants, you sluggard. Consider the ant, how, how the ant works. How the ant prepares for the future. That's an ant. God, God expects us to do what? God expects us to work if we're physically able to work. And, and, and that entails us what even preparing for the future, doesn't it? The scripture also talks about when we work, everything we do, no matter what it is, we do it to the glory of God. We do it to the glory of God. I normally do not ask you to do this, but I'm going to ask you right now. I usually just say, think about it. Are you here today and you work in any way? Some of you are, are, are retired, you're blessed. There's several people right now, of course, can raise your hand. You do. You work, right? Yes, you work. You work. The challenge is this. No matter what I do when I'm working, I need to see it this way. I'm working for the glory of God. I'm working in such a way that, that when people see what I do, they will see my Creator. They will see my Redeemer. Because I'm doing it not for myself. Yes, I'm being self-sufficient. In, in a sense, I'm trying to provide for my family. That'd be something else you could deal with and work. But, but I'm doing it for the glory of God. For the glory of God. In men's discipleship this morning, we came across the passage there in John 13 talking about foot washing. And I don't have time to explain all the background because really 
it, it does require a little bit of background, but suffice it to say that uh, in Jesus' day, when he was on this earth, washing feet was a lowly task. And sometimes some of the most common servants actually washed other people's feet. If you had any stature in society, you do, you do, you would never want to be caught washing a, your own feet or anybody else. Think about this. Think about this. The God of the universe. The God who, who according to John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That same Jesus Christ did what? Got down there and washed the dirty feet of His disciples. He washed their dirty feet. Including washing the feet of Judas, who in a matter of hours would betray him. He washed his feet as well. You realize at that point the Son, Jesus, was washing feet to the glory of the Father? Should that put our lives in a proper perspective? I pray it does. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not be wise in your own opinion. The verse continues, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In fact, even a little bit earlier in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, God's Word says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear God. Obey His commandments, for this is what God's all about. The end of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 talks about fearing God as well. Fear God. It's from Genesis to the Revelation. And again, that's not talking about cowering in the, the side of a room. It's talking about giving the sovereign of the universe, again, the respect that He's due, the honor that He is due. That's what the fear of God is all about. And I've shared this following statement with you several times, but I know I have some visiting here today and others of us who may have forgotten it. And I came across this, this statement very early on in my life in ministry, and it has gripped me as well. Listen to this. The author is basically unknown as far as I know, but the statement is riveting. Those who have not learned a proper fear of God are tormented by a thousand lesser fears. Those who have not learned a proper fear of God are tormented by a thousand lesser fears. Think about that. I mean, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in other people's lives. Those who have not learned a proper fear of God are tormented by a thousand lesser fears. Yes. 
Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Now let me say this. I have to be very careful here. Very careful from a biblical and a theological perspective. Sickness comes from multiple, many different sources. It does. Many different sources. And that's multiple sermons in and of itself, okay? I cannot fully explain everything related to that right now. But it's in, but it's in God's Word, all right? But here's a statement of promise. A way, a way again to have the issue of health in your life. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I mean, there's a lot of evil things we can get into, quite frankly, that hurts us physically, right? And I don't even have to go through a long list of things. Health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Let me say this. All of us in here are sinners. Many of us have already experienced the saving touch of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Can anybody remember the weight of sin that was on your life? Can anybody remember that? Anybody remember the weight of sin that was dragging you down? It's just like you'd be going over to Campbell, running around the track and... And, and, and you've got 100 pounds of weights hanging down from your arm, if that was even possible, see, trying to run. Do you remember, though, when Jesus Christ set you free? Does anybody remember being forgiven? Let me say this. I'm, I, I go to, you know, I was, I was saved once and for all because of what Jesus did for the cross, because of my faith and trust in Him. And then I apply 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, I know my past, my present, and my future sins have already been forgiven, but I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, what do I do? I say, Father, I know I've sinned, and I ask for your forgiveness. And there are times it's sort of like a weight leaves the body. Right? Because of what Jesus has done in my heart and in my life. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. For those of you that are visiting, maybe the first time today, you say, I've gone to a church and this pastor's just like all others. All he does is preach about money. That's a joke. I address issues of money and, and possessions and stewardship when it comes up in Scripture. Okay? That's what we do. We don't run to text to try to preach something. As something comes up in Scripture, we preach it and we address it. 
That's the way it ought to be, isn't it? That's the way it ought to be. Well, let me say this. This text is dealing with that. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. What's, what's God teaching us through this? I think several things. Honor, that's to treat as precious, remember? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Let me ask you this question. What does God own in your life? What does God own in your life? There's really only one correct answer for the believer. What does God own in all your life? You don't have to think, now what, what does God own? I think I own this, I own that. The correct answer for the believer is this. It needs to be God owns everything. God owns everything. That's right. God owns everything. And acknowledging that, there's a stewardship issue. And any time the issue of possessions or giving comes up, let me remind you of this. Stewardship per se is a broader issue. Because it's not just stewardship putting money in an offering, although that's something I think we need to be doing. It's also what we do with our lives. What we do with our time. What we do with really what, what this is speaking to as well, I believe, our priorities. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. If you honor Him with the first fruits, who's the priority? God is the priority, right? He's the priority. And, and what, what it's also speaking about is this. It, it's also letting us know we're to give God not a tip, We're to give God our best. My previous church, my church in Zeblin, uh, had an elderly widow, and she's going on to be with the Lord. But I mean, early on, I was at that church for around 10 years as, as their uh, senior pastor. But, but she would make this comment, and, and she was at the point where she could no longer attend church, and, and I would say, I prefer to allow a deacon to pick up your check, but, but sometimes in visiting with her, she would make this comment, though, and I would have to talk to her a little bit about it. She says, Pastor, here are my dues. <laughs> Give it a check, here are my dues. <laughs> and, and of course, that'd be a little funny in a sense, so we'd have to talk about it, you know. Well, well in, in, the, in the church, we don't pay dues, okay? <laughs> God, God does not want our dues. First of all, God wants our heart, doesn't he? <laughs> God wants our heart, that's the priority. Yes, it says here, though, we honor him with our possessions. Those of us who know him as Lord and Savior. Why we acknowledge anything we have. One of my favorite verses of all the scriptures, also in James chapter 1 as well. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Now, I'm all in favor of working. I'm all in favor of using my mind, and I can't do too much with my hands, but uh, not, not a whole lot with my mind either, to be honest with you. But, but, but anyway, you understand what I'm saying. All right? I, I'm in favor of working. Working hard, doing a good job. But then, then I, go to, I go to my verse in James chapter 1 that says, Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. 
The scripture goes on and says there in James chapter 1, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It comes from Him. It comes from Him. No leftovers for God. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Now if we had time, we could go read that great passage in Malachi. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, saith the Lord. And it talks about the blessing that God would cast aside the devourer, his blessing. And you might say, Pastor, we should never talk about a tithe because that is in the Old Testament. And we are New Covenant believers. Amen. I'm glad we're New Covenant believers, aren't you? But if I had time, then I would go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians where it talks about grace giving. Grace giving. Let me just throw this out for your something for you to think about. Remember this, grace always exceeds the law. I'm not saying a certain percent, we're not putting percentages on anything. But what it means this, we give from our heart. And we give out of gratitude and we give out of honor again to who God is for his work and his ministry. And if we had time, I uh, don't have time to fully uh, develop uh, this, this particular text. But uh, it's, it's interesting that when you look at even the issue of the tithe, and some people say, well, that's part of the law, which I can, I can understand those arguments, but we could, I could take you back to Genesis. And I could take you to the illustration of Melchizedek and Abram and that giving of the tenth. But then again, if we had more time, then I could take you to that great book of Hebrews. And we would further examine who Melchizedek actually is. And we would learn of this person, this figure, this, I believe, uh, example in this illustration of the, pre, of the pre-incarnate Christ. Let's us know that again, he had no beginning and no end. Melchizedek. Hebrews. Let me say this. Every part of our spiritual life is important. Reading the Bible, prayer, being on witness, but even this area that what a lot of people never want to address, and that is honoring the Lord with our possessions. And on this Labor Day weekend, I'm reminded whatever I have is because of His gift. I didn't deserve it. I'll tell you something I, th- I thought about in the last week. Let me, let me just share this with you personally. I thought about again that I am, I do not deserve what I've been given in life. Let me say that. 
And I thought about what a privilege it is to be your pastor. I thought about that again. I've thought about it from time to time, but there, were, there was a couple times last week God just so burned that in my heart. And I had to just thank God again for the privilege to be here and share God's word and minister among you. I had to thank God. I had to thank him because it's a privilege. Yes, it's an honor, but it's a privilege from the almighty God. And I thank him. Let me ask you, as hold off on the invitation just a moment as we prepare for this invitation. Don't be concerned about giving God anything. Be concerned first and foremost about giving him your heart. He'll take care of anything else. And does he have your heart right now? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, are you a child of his? Have you come to the point in your life when you've truly repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation? If you have not done that, then there's going to be an invitation in just a moment. Please come forward. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Many of us today just need to be thankful today, right? For how God has blessed us, what God has given us. The fact physically we could come in here today, we have so much to be thankful for. Brother Kyle, please come forward. As the Lord touches your heart, we will have a time of invitation, but it is to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Congregation, please stand for this time of invitation.